0: Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, But we've been in this series entitled Detox in which uh, we've been looking at this idea that God has an incredible plan for every single one of us. Amen. Do you believe that today? That, that God has. Now, some of us are in that incredible plan right now. Uh, it's life, and we're living it out, uh, but here's what I know, according to Scripture, is that we grow from faith to faith and glory to glory, that as we continue to walk in the plan that God has for us, that, that life just keeps bringing great things our way. But not only does life bring great things our way when we walk in obedience, here's something I discovered, that there are obstacles at times, obstacles that get in the way, and they hold us back from, from being all that Christ wants us to be, and so we've tackled this thought of deep How do we detox from some of those things that are holding us back? Last week we talked about detoxing from fear. Anybody ever experienced fear and fears held you back from stepping into something God has for you, whether it's just walking through the doors of a church. Come on, somebody, right? That can be fearful when it's the first time. And here's the thing, even if you're a Christ follower, you move to a city and you're looking for a church, it can be kind of a little bit scary walking through the doors of a new church, and it can hold us back sometimes, but the way that we overcome fear is through faith. Uh, without faith, it's impossible to please Him, and so we talked about that last week. You can check that out on the podcast today. I don't even really know what to title this, and so I'm just going to call it this: uh, detoxing from ideas and labels that people have put on you. All right, detoxing from ideas and labels that have been put on you by others. And so let, let's look at a couple verses this morning. The first one is going to be in the in the book of Acts. Acts is in the New Testament. Um, incredible, incredible book about all the acts of the apostles and uh, living a life of faith. And we're just going to read one little verse there, Acts chapter 13, verse 22. And Paul in this moment is preaching. And in preaching, he starts to bring to remembrance some Old Testament people. And talking about their life of faith and how they lived and, and what happened with them. And one of the people he brings into his message as he's preaching in Antioch is this guy named David. Now, if you've read a little bit of the Bible, you know David is a king in the Old Testament. If not, I'm telling you right now, David was a king in the Old Testament. And he was one of the great kings. He was actually the second king of the nation of Israel after Saul. And as uh, Paul begins to bring him into his message as he's preaching to Antioch, just this one verse, this is what he says about him. And Paul says, after removing him, who's him? That's Saul. He's the first king. And after God removed Saul, now listen to this, he raised up David as their king. And testified about him. Here's what he says about him I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man loyal to me who will carry out all my will. Let me read that again. This is David. Now, that sounds pretty powerful, right? Now, in your Bible, it might say a man after God's own heart. Okay, some of you have heard that phrase, you know, before maybe in church, and, and, you know, he was, David was a king after God's own heart. This is where we get that scripture, and this is another way of saying it, that after Saul was removed, God raised up David, and here's what it says about David. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man loyal to me, who will carry out all my will. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty, pretty big, right? That sounds pretty powerful. That sounds like, it makes me ask this question. Wow, who was David? And, and what did he do to get the label of a man after God's own heart? He must have been really, really righteous. He must have been really pure. He must have been a really godly dude to get that label. Y'all with me this morning? Okay. And so now let's go back and let's read uh, one of the incredible stories about David. And a few weeks ago, I was listening to one of my mentors uh, preach out of this passage, and some things hit me uh, in a different light, and and kind of for the very first time. And I want to share some of those things with you this morning as we detox from ideas and labels uh, that have been placed on us by other people. 1 Samuel 17 is where we're going to go. It's an Old Testament book, 1 Samuel 17. And I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture, but we're in church, right? It's a good place, you know, to get some scripture, all right? And uh, I'm going to read starting in verse 20 of 1 Samuel 17, and, and then we'll share some, some things with you this morning. It says this in verse 20 of first chapter, uh, 1 Samuel 17. It says, so David got up early in the morning, left the flock with someone to keep it, um, and loaded up and set out as Jesse had instructed him. Okay, what's happening right here? Who's Jesse? Jesse is uh, David's father. And all of his other sons, uh, he had older brothers, seven older brothers, he's the youngest of eight, are all out fighting in this battle. What's the battle? This is going to be the story of David and Goliath. This is where uh, the children of Israel are lined up against the Philistine army, and they're battling each other, okay? And, and, and what's happening is, is the Philistines would send out their giant named Goliath, and he would say, hey, why don't you just send one guy out and fight with me? And, and whoever fights with me and wins, you know, then we, we get, you know, we win, we you get your territory if you when you get ours. Okay, so all of David's older brothers are on the battlefield. David though stays at home. He's a young kid, some sixteen years old or something like that. He's just a young kid, and and he's staying at home and he's watching over all of the sheep. That's what they did. They were sheep herders, all right. And he was watching over the flock. Well, one day Jesse's like, you know, I want to find out what's going on with my sons. It's been a long time since we've gotten word. I mean, it's been weeks if not months and I don't know what's going on and so he calls his son David over He says, David, I want you to go and I want you to take these ten cheeses and these loaves of bread and I want you, it's called pizza, come on somebody, right? (laughs) He says, I want you to take this pizza and I want you to go, come on, he's the original pizza delivery kid, right? I want you to take this pizza, and I want you to deliver it to the front lines, and I want you to get word from your brothers. Find out if they're still alive. Find out how things are going. Find out what's going on with the battle, and and bring word back to me. And so this is what's taking place in verse 20. David gets up, as Jesse instructed him. He saddles up, you know, whatever he's riding, and he brings the pizza. And it says he arrived at the perimeter of the camp. As the army was marching to, uh, to its battle formation, shouting their battle cry, Israel and the Philistines lined up in battle formation facing one another. David left his supplies in the care of the quartermaster and ran to the battle line. When he arrived, he asked his brothers, how are you? Because that's what he was supposed to do. While he was speaking with them, suddenly the champion named Goliath, the Philistine from Gath, came forward from the Philistine battle line and shouted his usual words, which David heard. When all the Israelite men saw Goliath, they retreated. They ran back. They were terrified. They didn't hear my message on detoxing from fear. Previously, an Israelite man had declared, do you see this man who keeps coming out, talking about Goliath? He comes to defy Israel. The king will make the man who kills him very rich and will give him his daughter. The king also will make the household of that man's father exempt from paying taxes in Israel. How many guys think that sounds pretty good, right? Okay. And so David spoke to the men who were standing with him and said, hold on a second. What did he just say? What what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes the disgrace from Israel? He's asking, like he heard it and he's like, wait a second. Did I just hear that right? Just who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the army of the living God? The, 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 the people told him about the offer. So he heard it, and it piqued his interest, and so he goes again, and he says, hold on a second. Did I hear right? Did you, you get women and money if you go kill this guy? Are you with me this morning? Okay. Okay. And, and, and here's what the Bible says, and, and the people told him about the offer. Yes, that's exactly right. You're going to get women, you're going to get money, and your, your, your dad's taxes, you won't have to pay him anymore. David's oldest brother, Eliab, the one that was munching down on pizza at this point, listened as he spoke to the men and became angry with him. Why did you come down here, David? Who did you leave those few sheep with in the wilderness? Listen to him now. I know your arrogance and your evil heart. You came down to see the battle. David snatches the pizza out of his brother's hand. <laughs> what have I done now? protested David. It was just a question. Look what he does. And then he immediately turns to those who are beside him, others in front of him, and asked about the offer again. And the people gave him the same answer as before. Three times. David heard it. His brother gets mad at him. He says, Forget you. Hey, guys, what's going to be done? Are you with me? you following the story. Okay? What's going to be done? Now David's answer, uh, excuse me, uh, what David said was overheard, verse 31, and reported to Saul. Saul's the king. And he had David brought to him. David said to Saul, don't let anyone be discouraged by him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. But Saul replied, you can't fight the Philistine. You're just a pizza delivery boy. Is it okay if I add lib a little bit? Okay, I'm not being a heretic, all right? You're just a youth. And he's been a warrior since he was young. David answered, Saul, your servant has been uh, tending his father's sheep. Whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off the lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down and rescued the lamb from its mouth. Wow. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur and slap it across the face. Strike it down and kill it, all right? Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Then David said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul had his own military clothes put on David. He put the bronze helmet on David's head, and he put him in, on, on the armor. And David strapped his sword on over the military clothes and tried to walk. But he was not used to them. I can't walk in these, David said, Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off, and instead he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the water and put them in his little pouch Uh, And then, with this sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. This is a good story. Come on, somebody. Verse 41, the Philistine came closer and closer to David with a shield there in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he despised him. Man, David, man, he's just being looked at by everybody like, you can't do this. Because he was a youth, healthy, and handsome, and plus, Goliath was mad because he didn't get pizza. Come on, somebody. So he said to David, am I a dog that you come against me with sticks? Then he cursed David by his gods. Come here, the Philistine called to David, and I'll I'll give your flesh uh, to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts. And David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a dagger and a spear and a sword, but I come against you in the name of Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel's armies. Amen. You have defied him. Today the Lord will hand you over to me. Today I'll strike you down, cut off your head, and give the corpse to the Philistine camp, the birds of the sky, and the creatures of the earth. Then all the world will know that Israel has a God. And this whole assembly will know that it is not by sword nor by spear, but the Lord who saves. For the battle is the Lord's. He will hand you over to us. Amen. When the Philistines started forward to attack him, David ran quickly to the battle line and met the Philistine. David put uh, his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. And David defeated the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Even though David had no sword, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He grabbed the Philistine's sword, pulled it out from his sheath and used it to kill him. Man, this is a great story. Then he cut off his head. Ooh, it got gory. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they ran. The men of Israel and Judah rallied, shouting the battle cry, and chased the Philistines to the entrance of the valley and the gates of Ekron. Philistine bodies were strewn all along the Sherem Road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from the pursuit of the Philistines, they plundered their camps. David took Goliath's head and brought it to Jerusalem and put Goliath's weapons in his own tent. Come on, somebody, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that, Lord, you would just speak to us with clarity and that we would walk out of here more joyful than when we came in. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I I didn't have seven older brothers. I'm not the youngest of eight, but I am the youngest of four. I have three older brothers. um, And they they were amazing older brothers. And uh, they still are. Not worth. They're still alive. They're great brothers. And, uh, and so I know a little bit what it's like trying to find your place, trying to find your position in a family, trying to find out who you are and discovering the, the way God has made me up and, and, you know, my unique interests and likes and what are the things that make me tick. But I also know the pressures that come with growing up in a large family. When you have three older brothers that have kind of paved the way for you or modeled some things and maybe you don't do it the way they want you to do it and so they come and say that's not the way you do it you need to do it this way any younger siblings in here all right my heart goes out to you I feel your pain right uh, and so I know what that's like, but, but in addition to that, I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor, and, and my granddaddy was a pastor, and, and here I am as a pastor. But I grew up in church, and, and I remember not only feeling the pressures of my brother and what I should be like as, as a brinkman or as a son, you know, but also kind of going through the stories of the Bible and reading the stories of the Bible and thinking to myself, I don't measure up. I don't look like that person. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think I could be that and be this. And does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? You go to church to be encouraged, but sometimes you walk out thinking, man, there's no hope for me, right? Because I just heard a story about this dude, and I mean, come on. David is a man after God's own heart. How could I ever, and, you know, when the teachers tell you the story, they talk about that. You know, you want to be like David? Okay? Well, you gotta play the harp. Come on, somebody, right? even like the harp right put a guitar in my hand maybe you know piano okay but a harp that's what I mean that's what I've got to do to be a man after God's own heart right and then you remember the flannel we've been talking a lot about the flannel graph I'm having flashbacks lately of my childhood and you know the flannel graph and you see David not only does he play the harp but he's got like a little white skirt on come on somebody (laughs) do any of the dudes have a problem with that right and they're saying, you need to be like this guy right here. He loved Jesus. And then the next picture you see of him is he's, he's out with all the sheep with a cute little cuddly lamb on his shoulders. Right? Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't, that doesn't paint a picture of a manly man to me. Right? I'm, you know, I just, you know, what are we going to do next, you know? And so here's David. He's got a little white skirt on with a little blue satchel and a cute little lamb around his neck, and he's playing a harp. And I think to myself, I I will never be a man after God's own heart. I can't do it. I will do nothing ever for Jesus other than just show up and sing some songs. Oh, look at the worship team up there. Aren't they great? Right? But as you begin to explore, really, the Bible and the text and begin to understand it more clearly, here's what you're going to understand. That everybody in the Bible that you read about outside of Jesus is just jacked up like you and I. And that should be in the light. Did you see that at that moment? That was for effect, by the way. That was for effect, all right? Those are intentional moments in church. Pretty soon there will be an organist coming out. I will. Okay. And you look now deeper at, at, at the people in the Bible, and here's what you, you come to see that, that Paul brings up. Hey, did you know that, that David was a man after God's own heart? Yeah, the white satchel or the, you know, the white skirt, the blue satchel and the heart. Yeah, whatever. But then when you go back and you begin to dig into who David was, here's what you discover. You discover that God used to draw straight lines with crooked sticks. That God could take anything and do whatever he wanted, no matter who they are. And and that, to me, ladies and gentlemen, is what I love about the Bible. If we miss this, if all we ever did was read Acts and say, well, David was a man, I thought, oh, okay, great. But here's also what we do sometimes. We, we tell people, like, you know what you need to do? You need to be more like Jesus. Have you read the Bible? Okay? I need to be more like Jesus? That, that's what, I might as well leave now. I ain't ever going to be like Jesus. I know some of you getting quiet. And I'm like, what? I thought we were supposed to be more like Jesus. Now Here's the, here's the thing, is we need to look to Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, but the reason we need to look to Jesus is to remind us that we need him because we so jacked up. Honestly, like, I, I've, been, I've been taught all my life hey, you just need to be more like Jesus, and it's like, oh, talk about the weight of the world on your shoulders, right? Like, I, I can't even be a good me. <laughs> and you want me to be like Jesus? <laughs> we're hurting, you know what I'm saying? No, we need to look to Jesus, and we need to pursue Jesus, and the reason we need to look to Jesus and pursue Jesus is because in him, we have hope. In him, we have life. In him, we have everything we need. Are you with me? I'm just going to, if you are looking for a pastor that looks like Jesus, you in the wrong church. Okay? Go to the rock. What? Pastor Miles is awesome. You, you in the wrong place. i you know what I'm going to look like? I'm going to look like Ben Brinkman. And you're going to see flaws, and you're going to see failures, and you're going to see mistakes, but you're going to see someone that is pursuing Jesus with everything he has because I know how jacked up I am. Amen. Amen. I will give you permission, Pastor. Thank you. All right? I mean, let's just take a look at David. Let's take a look at the man who had a heart that God loved. Let's look at it. And, and, and make no mistake, David had issues. He he was the youngest of eight. He was the youngest one. And matter of fact, if you go back to 1 Samuel 16, what you'll find is you'll find a story about a guy named Samuel who actually comes to anoint the next king of Israel. And he comes to the house of Jesse and he says, hey, the king is in your household. The next king, it's in your household. And so Jesse's like, yes, he is. And he goes and he gathers all the sons except for David. David, all you're good for is to watch sheep. Go there. Go there. You're not old enough yet. You haven't proven yourself, And you go do that. And he brings all the other sons, and they line up, and and Samuel comes to anoint the next king, and, and he goes down the line, and as he's going down the line, he's like, not that one, not that one, nope, not that one, nope, not that one. And now Samuel steps back confused after he goes through all seven sons, and he looks at Jesse, and he's like, hey, man, are you sure you don't have another son? And Jesse's like, oh, yeah, I guess I do have one more. You talk about daddy issues. Are you with me? Okay, that's the house David grew up in. We even see a reflection of that in the story we read today where his brother turns to him and goes, I mean, you just, you're just here to show off. You've got a wicked, evil heart, right? That's the house he grew up in. Look, I know it was difficult growing up with three older brothers. I can't imagine seven. Dear God, it's amazing I turned out as amazing as I did, right? It's true, ask my mother. Okay? He had issues. He had some problems. He had some daddy issues. So when Jesse comes and says, hey, David, here's what I want you to do. Remember, he couldn't even go to the battle. No, you're staying home. You're not qualified to go fight. You're going to stay home. You're going to watch the sheep. And then when he does get around to sending him, he's like, hey, you know what? You, you make a good pizza delivery, boy. So I want you to do, this is your only assignment. Go to the front. Find out how they are and bring word back to him. That's all I want you to do. And David gets there. David gets there. Now listen to me. you got to catch this because David gets there, and here we begin to see what a heart after God looks like. He gets there. He's looking at it, and he's like, wow, dude's big, giant, Goliath, right? All of a sudden, he hears something. From the guy that was coming out every day. Hey, whoever goes and fights this battle, whoever goes and takes him out, if you win, you're going to get chicks and money. Come on, somebody. Three times the Bible says it. Three times. Are you reading the same Bible I'm reading? David stops me and he goes, what? Now I can start to like David a little more. Right? David sounds a little bit more like me right now because I'm into chicks and money. Are you with me? Okay, now I'm into one chick now, okay? But when I was sitting in Bible, you know, like Sunday school, it's like, oh, but all of a sudden you hear chicks and money when you're 16. You're like, sign me up, right? You got my interest now, and David's interest perks up, and he's like, what? Well, what's? Oh, can, you, can you talk to me again? Tell me a little bit more about that. What's going on? If you take out the giant, you get girls and you get money, and your dad's taxes is forgiven. Sounds good to me, Right? And his brother gets mad at him, and he turns, and he asks again. Hey, let me just clarify something real quick. Like, because, you know, down the road, people are going to think I just played a harp. Come on, somebody. And I just, you know, wore a little And but, but what's this now? If I do what? I get what? Look at it now. And this is the guy that the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. Are you with me this morning? And I think we could learn something today here in the next few moments. I think we can learn maybe one of the greatest things that we need to detox from. That we need to detox from ideas and labels that have been placed on us by other people, uh, maybe even in church, come on somebody, that have been placed on us that, well, if you want to be, you need to look more like Jesus. You, know, you need to be a man after God's own heart. You need to be pure. You, you, know, you, need to, you need to serve. And you know what else you need to do? You need to play a harp. Right? And you walk out thinking, man, is there hope for me? Well, I want you to know something. There's hope for you. Because what, what the Bible says about David is he was doing it. Now listen to it. He was doing it. What were his motives? Let's make no mistake. What were his motives to go and kill the Philistine? His motives were money and a wife that sounds, I don't know, that sounds like heresy, pastor. Read your Bible. Three times. And what it does now is it begins to show us that God can even use that, come on somebody, to do something incredible. God could use this man to do something incredible. And I want you to know something, God can use your life do something incredible no matter who you are sitting here today no matter what you're walking through what you're wrestling with we're gonna learn something real quick from David's life can we go there real quick here's what we see here's what we need to do to detox from these labels and these ideas I believe that we can pick up from 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 David's life because time and time again here's the label that's that put on put on David hey you can go to the front and bring bread but you need to come right back don't go to the battle and then his brother looks at him. Here's the label. Man, you're evil. You're wicked, David. And even further into the story, we see it. Saul's looking at him like, oh, man, you're just a kid. I don't know how you're going to do this. But here's what we'll do. We'll put me on you. We'll put my armor on you. And then you just go try. We need to detox from these labels and these ideas. Are you with me this morning? Let me to give you three things real quickly and we'll wrap it up. How to detox from these labels and these ideas. Number one, be honest with who you are and stop apologizing for it. Be honest with who you are, and stop apologizing for it. I love it. David was like, after he got, you know, beat up by his brother, like, he's like, at least David was honest with who he was. And he didn't apologize to his brother. Listen to this verse. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, but by God's grace, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not ineffective. Wow. I think David understood this. David understood, hey, look, man, I ain't perfect. But if I have the chance, and think about it, this is the guy that God looked down out of all of Israel and said, that's my man. I'm gonna use that heart, that passion. I'm gonna use that. Now, I'll tell you what, after being a, I've been in ministry for a long time, but after being a lead pastor now for about six or so years, uh, one thing I absolutely had to detox from was was living under everybody else's labels and ideas of what a lead pastor is supposed to look like. I I really have had to come to that. I've actually had people tell me before that were offended at me, well, you just, I mean, you just, I don't know, you just need to be more like a lead pastor. Like, what does that look like? This, this is who I am. I mean, I'm pastoring. I don't know how to do it any different. I actually had somebody come up to me after a message one day, and we were talking. It was their first time there. I was like, hey, thanks for coming. Oh, hey, thanks. And I was like, did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was, it was good. But you know what? Uh, Pastor, you just seem like you're trying too hard. Well, what do you mean? Well, when you're up there, you just seem you're, you're a little bit too excited. Okay. I don't know how to be any other person. This is who I am. I'm excited. Yeah? Now, I've had people come up to me before and say, hey, are you on speed? <laughs> I'm like, huh? What is it? I'll try No, it's getting. kidding. Um, no, this is just who I am. I'm, I'm excited. Hang out with me outside of this. I, I just love, I love life. I love people. I love having fun. I'm excited. I don't know how else. I just don't know how to be anything else. With. Please turn in your Bibles. <laughs> We're going to have a really boring time together today in church. I don't know how to be anything else. But I had to learn to detox. And can I just just be real with you? And this is not just for me. This is for all of us to break free from labels and ideas. The best thing you could do is just come to terms with who you are and stop apologizing for it. We need who you are. God needs who you are. Are you with me this morning? God looked at David and said, I'll take that passion. I'll take that. You know, yeah, there's some things he needs to surrender. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. I'll, I'll take that passion. I'll take that. Let's go. We're going to, we're going to defeat the Philistine. Man, I, I just, I, I, I've chosen not to live under those labels anymore. I am who I am. This is it. Am I, am I working on improving who I am by the grace of God? Absolutely. But know this, as I improve who I am, you get more of me. I tell people all the time when they're getting married, Like, I'll do marriage counseling, and they're sitting in marriage counseling. So, you know, I I really love them, but there's just some things I don't like. And then they'll name off, like, ten things. And I'm like, wow, how long have you been dating? Like, three years? Have those things changed? No. and I'll ask this question. Okay, now, let me ask this question. When you get married and those things never change, will you be okay with it? Well, no, no, they're going to change. Oh. Oh, how to be young in love once again. Oh, ye of little knowledge. <laughs> no, those, aren't, those things aren't going to change. And if you think marriage is going to change them, you're wrong. Marriage is going to magnify them. Some of you are you rethinking your engagement right now. Like, oh, game plan X'd out, right? Like, I'm just being real with you, okay? No, what's going to happen? You're going to get married, and you're going to get more of that. That's the way it's going to be, Okay. But, but that's what's so great about love. Love looks at the best, right? Okay? I want you to know something. Man, God will take who you are. Listen, autonomy in the church is a beautiful thing. You being you in the church is a beautiful thing. Some people think when they come to Jesus that, yes, old things have passed away. All things have become new. But he does not give you a new personality. He takes sin away, unrighteousness away. But guess what? If you're a passionate person before Christ, you're going to be a passionate person after Christ, but probably even more passionate. You should have saw me when I was five before I knew Jesus. I wasn't this passionate, but then I knew Jesus. Like, yeah! Right? (laughs) Be who you are by the grace of God. Don't apologize for it. Now listen to me. You need to surrender who you are to Jesus. Because outside of that, man, some bad things happen. Think about David. This, this issue of David followed him all the days of his life. We see it right up front. Hey, here's who I am. Just know right up front, I'll take out the giant, but I'm doing it for girls, I'm doing it for money. And guess what? He surrendered it. And we've been seeing this story as he surrendered it. Then all of a sudden, his confession changed. And he realized, man, I'm doing this for the king of kings and the Lord of lords and for all the people that need freedom and that need victory. But then he gets to become king, and as he's king, he stops forgetting that he's anointed to go to battle, and he stays back at home, the Bible says. And guess what he does? He resorts back to who he was, and he starts thinking about chicks and money, and is on the rooftop of his palace looking around at all that he had. He saw a young woman named Bathsheba. The problem, the thing, listen, He didn't change, it was just surrender to who God is. Listen, we got to stay surrendered because you not surrendered, literally, right? Surrender. Number one, and I got to get moving here. Number one, be, be honest with who you are and stop apologizing for it. Number two, be the best you you can be and stop apologizing for it. Be the best you you can be. Colossians three twenty three says, "Whatever you do, I love this. Love this. Some of you need to highlight this. Highlight the very next next word. Whatever you do, do it enthusiastically, as something done for the Lord and not for men. I love it. Some of you, you're doing it. You just need to do it enthusiastically, as something done for the Lord." Not for men, man. David, and you see it as he goes into the battle. He says, "Now I got to surrender this. Look, look, Saul. I can't put you on me. You on me is not good. I can't put that armor on. Matter of fact, I can't even walk. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take what I know. I'm going to take who I am out to the battlefield. But I'm going to take who I am surrendered to you. You with me?" And he takes who he, who he is, surrenders, so I'm going to be the best me I can be. I'm not going to use a sword. I'm not going to use armor. The best me is a guy with a slingshot in my hand, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to discover the victory. And he was the best him he could be, and he did it as unto the Lord. I want you to know something. You have everything you need right now in your life to fulfill the plan of God. Maybe it just needs to be surrendered. Be the best you you can be. Be the best you can be. Number three, and we'll bring it to a close. Man, so much we could talk about here, but be honest with your gift and start using it and stop apologizing for it. Wow. Listen to that one again. Be honest with your gift. What what has God given you? Now listen to me. We're not talking about a talent. Gifts and talents are completely different. Gift is something that's given to you by the Father, and he wants you to use it for his glory. That's a gift. A talent is something you're good at that you work hard on to improve. You with me? We're not talking about a talent. This young lady on the, on the piano here, that's, that's a talent. She's gifted in worship. She's talented on the piano. And so she, she refines and practices her talent, but her gift is surrendered to God and came from the Father. Are you with me? I believe this morning that there's some of you that are going to find a new freedom in this place as you just continue to be honest with who you are and stop apologizing for it. As you continue to be the best you can be and stop apologizing for it. And as you surrender the gift that the Father has given you and start using it for his kingdom. I'll never forget uh, the first time that I, I gave my, my daughter a phone. Still wondering if that was a good thing or not. She had been asking me for a while, and so I think it was she was turned 12 years old. And uh, we came to her and said, Hey, hey baby, we're going to get you your first phone. And she just lit up. She'd been asking. She was so excited. She was so excited. A couple of days went by, and she's like, Dad, where's my phone? You said, you're going to give me my phone? Where's my phone? Where's my phone? I want my phone. I'm like, well, babe, we're going to get it. I know, but, Dad, but you said. Dad, you said. Week and a half goes by, and finally we get her her phone, and she's like, Dad, can I start using it right now? I'm like, well, yes. Of course you can start using it right now. I said, what are you, you going to do? And she's like, I just want to get all my friends' numbers, and I want to text them, and I want to tell them my dad got me a phone I'm like here's two phones (laughs) I believe that's the way God looks at us as his children he's given us a gift and nothing pleases him more than when you're using your gift nothing pleases him more And when he sees his kids just like, my dad gave me this. Look what my dad did for me. Look what my dad did. My dad's awesome. There's some of you here. You just need to embrace the gift that he's given you and start using it for his kingdom. And as you do, listen to the whole story. David embraced who he was. He used his gift. He he said, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. I'm going for it because of that, a whole entire nation was set free from the bondage of the enemy. You want to begin to see your friends and your neighbors come to know Jesus? You want to begin to see these chairs filled up in your church? Be honest with who you are. Be the best you can be and start using your gift for the kingdom of God right now. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.